This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, April 27th, 2014. Now what? Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. I'm Alan Jones. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's creation? Amen? Amen. Amen. Flying solo today. My wife um, just got on a plane in Houston heading for Austin. Not really a fun trip, though. She's down there because of a, a family tragedy. Her cousin, uh, her cousin's 14-year-old son, took his own life uh, at the end of last week. And um, didn't really have a church or a pastor, and so Carrie's going to do the service for them come Monday. Her dad's and her stepmother, whether her sister's meeting them when they get to Austin Airport, so we appreciate if you'd keep them in prayer. It's, uh, you know, when a 14-year-old, death's always a challenge. It's especially challenging when it's uh, somebody young, but it's really challenging when the Someone's to the point where they um, see no way out but taking their own life. That's just such a tragedy. So if you'd keep them in prayer, that would be, that would be awesome. We thank you for that. On the flip side, let me share a God story with you, okay? Yeah, the, the, the day when we preached, Carrie uh, talked about her dad and some health concerns and things come up. <laughs> Easter evening, we're at home and Carrie gets a call from a young lady who used to go to church here. She now lives uh, two and a half mile uh, hours away up in Pennsylvania. Carrie's kind of tired, you know, Easter was kind of a busy day and she's wondering what? The girl was calling to see if we would officiate her wedding in August, you know? And um, Carrie was kind of tired but, you know, she's generally a nice person so she... uh, (laughs) offered some, uh, asking about the family, you know, extended the conversation some, asked about the family, and the girl was running through and, and said that her mom was having kind of a tough time because her father, her mother's father, this girl's grandfather, had a health situation that was real similar to what Carrie's dad, uh, dealing with the pancreas, which is kind of a very specialized area, Okay. And, and, and Carrie ends up talking to her mother, who's a nurse and very knowledgeable medical, because she has a couple of children who've had a lot of medical challenges over the years. <clears throat> Long story short, she gives Carrie the name of this guy. Carrie had been researching all night, different doctors, hospitals, <clears throat> kind of had settled on one, but got the name of this doctor at University of Pennsylvania, who's like the expert in this area, although goes, talks over the country about this one particular procedure and stuff. Um, Shared with her father, <coughs> two, two choices. They get on the phone. Long story short, they get in from Florida on Wednesday, and they have an appointment to see this guy who's known all over the country two days later, Friday. Saw him. I got to go to We saw him. This guy definitely knows his stuff. Uh, a lot of the fears that were there have been at least somewhat um, allayed for the time being. He sees a little differently than the, what was other doctors at a regional place in Florida were saying, boy, go from what could have been such a serious to seeing the guy who's the expert in two days. Isn't that just an absolute God story? Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. So I just got to say God is good all the time. And all the time, 
Amen and amen. And, and hopefully, somehow out of this tragedy, even in Austin, somehow, you know, God, even in the midst of tragedy, can somehow draw some good out of that, somehow, some way. So just pray for that, please. Again, I'm Alan Jones, and I get to be here because I'm a sinner who's been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, I do lift up Carrie and her family. I, I just pray for that whole situation, tough as it is. But we know if you're in the midst, somehow you'll, you'll make things okay there somehow. And uh, I, I thank you for the day you've placed before us. I, I pray that we use this for your glory. I, I pray that we, uh, as we share in your word, that we'll come to new understanding of you and ourselves. And I thank you for gathering us together in this place called Connection Community Church. The opportunity we have today to worship you and to share in your word. In Christ and your Holy Spirit, we pray. And all those gathered said, amen. Excuse me, a little dry. I'm used to only speaking half as much, you know. So, Easter, culmination of an incredible week in the life of Jesus. Start with Palm Sunday. You know, uh, <laughs> he's coming into... Uh, the, the town there is outside Jerusalem, <clears throat> he and the disciples, and boy, he finds himself in the middle of a, of a celebration, a parade. Everybody shouting, Hosanna, it means save. Wow, save. Of course, four days later, those shouts of save turned to shouts of crucify. Crucify. And so by the end of the week, Jesus is arrested, beaten, hung on a cross. He dies, he is buried. As we shared last week, on Easter Sunday, the women came to anoint his body with spices, and what they found was an empty tomb. An empty, normally being kind of a negative turn, all of a sudden it becomes glorious, doesn't it? It becomes kind of the best word of all time, empty tomb. Whole new, wonderful, positive identity to that word as we celebrate that Christ is risen, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen indeed. Quite a week. Quite a week. And, and that leads us to our question for today. Now what? Now what? You know, Jesus' followers were wondering the same thing. They'd been with Jesus three years doing mission and ministry together. But after his death, they wondered, now what? Generally speaking, after the crucifixion, after they realized the tomb was empty, many, if not most, if not nearly all of his followers were, well, to say they were skeptic would be a great understatement. <coughs> they thought it was over. And they weren't sure what to do next. In the 24th chapter of the book written by Luke about Jesus' life, we read of two of Jesus' followers, not that inner circle of, you know, 11, 12 disciples there, 12 disciples, um, not one of those, but still a follower of his. Two of them were on their way back after all the Easter time thing, later in the day Easter, on their way back to a little town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. As I said, it was later in the day of that first Easter day, and, and as they were discussing everything that had happened in Jerusalem that day, that week, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, comes up and joins them as they're walking along. Wouldn't that be wild? 
But here's the crazy thing. Scripture says they were kept from recognizing him. Wow. So here Jesus joins them. They don't recognize him as Jesus. He asks them what they're talking about. And the scripture says, with downcast faces, they asked how he could not know what was going on. With downcast, that lets us know. They're not celebrating the risen Christ. Downcast. Their hope is gone. It's been dashed. It's over. <clears throat> Down, and then... And, 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 and they're going to, how can you not know what's going on, man? Where, where have you been? How can you not know what's happening? And Jesus says, uh, what things are you talking about? And, and they said, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Here's a key, a couple keys here. The, the one that always grabs me. The guy said, but we had hope that he was the one going to redeem Israel. Let's go back to seventh grade grammar. Past perfect tense. Remember that? Had hoped had hope, not hoped, had hope, done, finished, over, no, hope is done, right? In the past, we had been doing this, and it stopped. Stopped. They're not celebrating the empty tomb, are they? Mm -mm. They're not celebrating the risen Jesus. As they say uh, there in verse 24, some, found, some companions found the tomb empty, but they did not see Jesus. For them, the point of resurrection at this point is hearsay, it's conjecture. You know that saying, seeing is believing. And they ain't seeing, are they? So at this point, they're not believing. And so, uh, and Scripture also says, as they traveled, Jesus uh, shared with them from Moses through the prophets all that had been written about this Jesus guy, <laughs> they don't realize that he's talking about himself. <laughs> As they approach their village, it seems like he's going to take off, but they invite him to stay with them. That's nice. Why don't you join us? At dinner, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> gave it to his disciple, or gave it to these two gentlemen. It was then that their eyes were opened, and they recognized him before he disappeared from their sight. Now, wouldn't that have been wild? <laughs> oh, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and then once he was gone, Scripture tells us they were able to look back and share with each other how their hearts had been burning on the road as he had shared the Scriptures with them. Isn't it funny how they didn't recognize him at first? 
says they were kept from recognizing him. Who knows? You know, we can speculate. Um, maybe, maybe our resurrected bodies look different than the ones we got now. <laughs> That's what I'm counting on. I am counting on that. Better, I hope. Look better. <laughs> um, or, or maybe they weren't expecting to see him. You ever notice where when somebody's out of context, out of place, you don't recognize them? I story the other day, and somebody's kind of surprised to see me. I think they think that at church, maybe they hang you up on the hook and then bring you down on Sunday. And just like when I was a school teacher, kids see you on the weekend and go, <laughs> yeah, they don't just hang us up. We, we have real lives, you know. We <laughs> or maybe, here's a wild one. I, th I think Emmaus is west of, of Jerusalem. As they're walking late in the day, the sunset, maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe they got, um, couldn't see because the sun, S-U-N, was... They couldn't see the S-O-N because the S-U-N was in their eyes. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, um, maybe God just put a filter. <laughs> said, I'm going to keep you guys from seeing them for a while, and, and when the time's right, you're going to be able to see who this really is. So who knows? It doesn't really tell us, so it must not be that important. It's just kind of interesting to speculate on. Anyway... Isn't it funny, though, how, uh, how often Jesus can be right there in our midst? Right there in our midst, and yet we don't recognize him until after the fact, until maybe we look back and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> kind of put the puzzle pieces together, you know, until maybe we're able to realize that he was right there, so to speak, breaking bread with us right in our midst. How often is Jesus virtually screaming to us, I'm here! <laughs> and yet we don't realize his very presence until later, until we look back. Has that ever happened to you? Years ago, I was um, at the point where I was just um, kind of, sort of, maybe feeling called to ministry. And... Um, and, and I was still selling insurance, and I had an appointment with this family who I'd met with before. And so, you see, here's how things were different. It used to be I'd go in and chat a little bit, and then we'd get to business, and then we'd chat at the end. But business was business. You know what I'm saying here? Business was business. Now I'm going in, and we're talking about church and all this stuff, and the business is sitting over on the table. You do that too long, man. You don't eat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm talking to this couple, this family, <clears throat> talking about, uh, Carrie was in uh, preaching at the time at the church, and uh, talking about that, just talking about religion, church, and all that, and they said, well, we, um, we go to this little church, it was Concord United Methodist Church, beautiful little church, they said, it's got tin, uh, stamped tin on the walls, painted, they said, beautiful church, I said, well, it's part of a three-point charge, in the Methodist church, there are churches where uh, one pastor serves three churches, and, um, you know, you preach, and then you run to the next one, and you're on, on Sunday mornings. It's kind of busy, but the plus is it's harder to hit a moving target, you know what I'm saying? So there are pluses to everything. So anyway, they said, uh, we're part of that church. I said, well, you know, Carrie had been a lay, was a lay speaker, and she had spoken at the other two, but for some reason hadn't preached at theirs, and I had been with her, so I was familiar with the other two. I, they said, well, you ought to come sometime, just... Just go there. It's always open. The door's unlocked. 
yeah. I said, okay. Well, funny thing is a couple weeks later, I did. I went into church. I happened to be in the air, and I just went in, and I sat down. I can still see the seat. It's just about where you're sitting, right there, uh, the last seat on the aisle, just before the back door. And I'm just sitting there. It's kind of a warm day. I'm not sure if it was June, July. It was a warm day. I'm just sitting there. And, <clears throat> and I got this, like, electrical feeling down my spine. I, I've come to realize it's the Holy Spirit kind of paying a visit. You know what I'm saying? Kind of electrifying. And it's kind of weird. And then I get up, and they had a little balcony upstairs. I go up in this balcony. And in my mind's eye, now this is warm weather, I'm imagining a Christmas Eve candlelight service, much like the ones we used to have when I was a kid at this little Presbyterian church up in Newark, okay? This is just a really wild scene. What's really interesting, though, is it's about a year later. I'm sitting at that same seat in that same church with Carrie next to me, um, and we're waiting to go in so the district and superintendent can introduce me to this and the other two churches as their new pastor, that's pretty wild, isn't it? Pretty wild. Isn't it amazing how Jesus was right there at the table in this insurance interview, two steps ahead of Alan as to what's going to be coming down. It's wild, isn't it, what Jesus can do? Anyway, two men from Emmaus, they weren't the only ones a little bit skeptical about this whole uh, risen Jesus thing. Uh, in all four accounts uh, of Jesus' life in the Bible, Matthew, written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, find them in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, <clears throat> we read of doubt among Jesus' followers, and especially closest followers, the disciples, following his death and the discovery of the empty tomb. One of the most well-known we find in the book of John, John's account of, it's on the evening of that first Easter, Jesus' disciples are gathered in a room. Many believe it was that upper room where they had the Last Supper. The door is locked, but that doesn't keep Jesus out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild? I thought the door... Didn't you lock the door? He got in anyway. Whoa. They were fearful of the Jewish leaders and what might happen, so they locked that door. Jesus comes in. You can just picture this. He comes like through, miraculously through. <laughs> but they're Peace be with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Peace be with you. And then he shows him his hands, the nail holes, and his side where a, a soldier had thrust a sword, pierced his side with a sword. He shows him that. <laughs> and, and the disciples realize it's really him. It's really him. Jesus is right there with them, and they kind of went crazy seeing him again, you know? Kind of crazy. Now, one of them wasn't there, a guy named Thomas, one of the disciples named Thomas wasn't there. And so they filled him in later, and he said, I'm not going to believe until I actually see him. I got to see, I got to touch the nail mark. I got to put my hand in his side, then I'll believe. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where we get that expression, doubting Thomas, by the way. A week later, disciples again. Same place, locked room, Jesus comes through, and again Jesus says, peace be with you. <laughs> kind of have a theme here. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? 
reach your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas just said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, it doesn't say, I always marvel, we never know if Thomas actually touched like he said he had to. I'm not going to believe until I touch. It doesn't tell us whether he actually touched the nail holes. I have a feeling he didn't. I think he was so knocked out that he went, whoa, my Lord, my God. Must not really matter because it doesn't tell us, but something to think about. But there's Jesus right in the flesh once again, resurrected. Wow, unbelievable. But he said to Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but, and then he offered a real extra blessing on those who believe who haven't seen. I guess he's talking to us, right? Maybe, on the one hand. I don't think any of us have actually seen Jesus in the flesh. Maybe, maybe in a vision, maybe in a dream. Uh, generally speaking, we don't. We believe he's alive. We believe he sits at the right hand of the Father, but actually see the resurrected Jesus in the flesh. On the other hand, I think many of us actually have seen Jesus in um, what he does. Changes in lives. Changes in the way people act. Uh, you know, we've seen the result of Jesus, so to speak. Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever seen the wind? No, because the wind's invisible, right? More than a trick question, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, in effect, we do say we see the wind, right? Because we see the result. We see the paper uh, scooting down the curb there, the wind pushing along. We see the little kid's hat blown off his head. We see the leaves turned upside down. We see the flag on the flagpole at attention. <clears throat> and when we see that, we in effect feel like we've seen the wind, even though wind's invisible. Amen? Amen. And isn't that true with Jesus as well? Isn't that true with Jesus as well? We, um, we may not actually see him, but we see him. And what somebody says and does as opposed to what they used to say and do. And the changes we see in a person's spirit and a person's soul. And, and the new way we treat, we're treated by somebody or the way we treat them. <laughs> Maybe by the person we see in the mirror compared to the person who used to be looking at us in that mirror. Yeah. I think we see Jesus when we know where to look, don't we? And so we have the... Doubting Thomas, we have the disciples, we have all this going on, and some resurrection face-to-faces. But the question comes back to, now what? Now what? So Jesus made some appearances and let the disciples and others know what he had done, what he said that he did, what he said he was going to do. That he truly was going to resurrect from the grave. But the question is, is that it? Is that all? Are we done? And the answer there is no. There's more. 
Because in addition to appearing to the disciples, he gave them something to do. He gave them an assignment. He gave them a directive. He gave them a mission. As we said, there's four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, covering Jesus' life, basically, in the New Testament, new part of the Bible, second half. And each one of those includes this mission that Jesus gives them. They're maybe slightly worded differently, a little bit way in which it's given, but it's all pretty similar. There's a thread that runs through them. The simplest is Mark. He seems to be the simplest. He is the shortest of the four books there. Mark's kind of a get-down-to-the-basics kind of guy. And here's Mark's, which is kind of the essence of what they all are. <clears throat> Real simple. Jesus says this. He says, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You mean that's it? Yeah. Go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Mark 16, 15, that's the message version. In other words, share the good news to everybody. Turn to the person next to you and say, share the good news to everybody. Come on now, look at them. Take it seriously. If it's good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for us. Share the good news with everybody. Not one, not two, everybody. So then the question is, I think we all know who everybody is, right? Everybody. Means like everybody. But then the question is, what is the good news? We hear that a lot, the good news. What's the good news? I'm going to make this really, I'm a simple guy. I like to take complex and make it simple. That's my nature. I like to be, I guess it's because I'm simple. I keep it simple. Here it is, the good, the, the good news. Jesus died for our sins, resurrected from the grave, offers salvation to those who believe. Good night. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> he died for our sins, resurrected from the grave, offers salvation to those who believe in him. Salvation to those who believe in him. So simple. I'm going to make it even simpler. Four words. Believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody you don't know. Believe and be saved. Say it to them. Believe and be saved. I don't think I can get it any simpler than that's four. I don't think I can boil it down anymore. Believe and be saved. Jesus tells the disciples, and that includes us, to share that message with everybody. Share the good news of Jesus. Believe and be saved. Now here at Connection Church, back when we started, we kind of took that and, 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 and kind of reworded it a little bit, but it carries the same essence, and that became our mission statement. Our mission here at Connection Church is connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers. Can you say that? The mission at Connection Church is connecting people with Jesus and the life he Let's say it with me, with gusto. Connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers. That's good. Sounds like we mean it. So then the question is, what does that life look like? What's the life he offers? Here again, we're going to keep it simple, because I like simple. It's a life, first of all, of sharing. Just as Jesus shared his life with us, 
We're called to share the good news of Jesus with everybody else. That's what he just told him, right? He told the disciples, tells us, the good news that he allowed himself to die, notice that, allowed himself to die on a cross for you and for me to pay for our sins. The good news that our sin no longer separates us from God thanks to this sacrifice of Jesus. The good news that Jesus resurrected from the dead and offers us salvation as well. And all we have to do is believe that he is the Savior. Turn to that person again. Say, Jesus is the Savior. Say it like you mean it. Because he is. Because he is. Jesus is the Savior. So here's the question for you, though. We've got a lot of questions today. Here's one of them. How are you doing with sharing the good news of Jesus with those around you? I don't mean the guy you just talked to two minutes ago, your husband or wife or friend. Not anybody in here, because this is the easy, it's easy to share Jesus in here. Come on. People came here because they thought they were going to hear about Jesus. The mission field, once we go through those doors, right next to Tim, once we go through those doors, that's where the mission field is. That's when it gets tough to say Jesus is the Savior. So how's that going for you? How's it working out there? How are you doing with telling others the difference that Jesus has made in your life? How are you doing with sharing that Jesus is the one who saved you and your life? How are you doing? Let me encourage you. One way to share is to begin with an invite to the person to join us. Here's pretty wild. Who here is here because somebody invited you? Now, let me tell you what I mean by an invite. I don't mean just to this church. How many are here in terms of a relationship with Jesus Christ because somebody invited you? And an invite could include mom who said, you are going to church. <laughs> that, that's just an invite in another form. But it's a, it's, it's a more less formal, more direct invitation. How many are here because somehow, somewhere, some way, they had an invite. You know, they say 85% of us are in church because someplace along the way we were invited. We, uh, Carlton and uh, Diane Carpenter and I, during the Little League parade, got the, we had all those uh, Easter little cards there and we gave them out. There was like 1,000 people. Somebody came on Easter because they got one of them cards. Isn't that? <laughs> yeah. That's not for me. That's for... And, and you know the banner across the street? You see the... Isn't that a cool banner across Broad Street, our name one? Somebody came because of that. Somebody came because of the sign on our sign up on the property. Those are forms of invite. I wonder how many people came because you said, why don't you join me? Why don't you join us? Maybe you said, gosh, I know Jesus. I'd like you to too. Why don't you join us? I wonder how many people are here because of that invite. Because there are a lot of people here on Easter. Wow. Invite, invite, invite. Crucial. So we connect people with Jesus and the life he offers. It's a life of sharing, but it's an also a life of serving. Jesus said, I came to serve, not be served. He said to the disciples, I call you to do the same. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, he calls us as well, serving. And you know, the thing is, we're told if we know Jesus, we at least have one spiritual gift. You say, well, my gift isn't serving. Hello. They're all serving gifts. If you're a leader, you have the leadership gift. You're supposed to use that gift to serve others by leading. They're all serving gifts. 
They're all serving. Yes. Came to serve, not be served. Are you serving? Are you using the God-given gift to serve God and to serve others? And the question, are you just serving the people you know and you like? <laughs> are you serving the broader population? Are you listening to who God's asking you to serve? Because let me tell you, I read this in a book, and it's so true. Sooner or later, if you travel with Jesus long enough, he's going to invite you to some places that you'd rather not go. Can I get an amen? amen. And those that didn't say amen, it's coming. He's going to invite you to some places you'd rather not go. And you have a choice. You can say, no, thank you. Or you can say, as Jesus did on the cross, not my will, but your will be done. <laughs> and here's the thing. When you get invited to those places you'd rather not go, there's going to be a serving area that will stretch you, might even test you, and it will force you to depend on Jesus like you never have before. That's the beautiful part of it because... It's going to force you to, to realize Jesus in a way you wouldn't be able to if you didn't go there. Are you serving where God's calling you to serve God and others? Connecting Jesus, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers, it's a life of sharing, it's a life of serving, it's a life of sacrifice. Sacrifice, giving up something of value for something of greater value. It's hard sometimes for us to understand sacrifice in our culture. We give up and we still have oodles. It's hard. But here's the thing about sacrifice. When we consider what Jesus sacrificed, his very life for us, so that we might uh, realize salvation from sin, sacrifice is a challenge that should be a little bit easier for us. Here's the question. What's God calling you to let go of, to do without, to relinquish in order so that you can get closer to God? See, here's the thing. As long as we cling to something, see how my hands are? It's really hard to receive when we're holding on this tight. See, sometimes we got to let go of something that we thought was crucial in order to receive what God has in store for us. What is it that God is calling you to not need so that you, realize, you might realize your true need is a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you truly sacrificed lately? Connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers, it's a life of sharing, it's a life of serving, a life of sacrifice, it's a life of salvation. Salvation offered us without price, we can't earn it, we can't buy it, and we definitely don't deserve it. We are offered not because we're worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. Not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. Not because God just can't live without us. I'm supposed to laugh there. <laughs> but because we can't live without him. <laughs> we are saved quite simply because God loves us so much 
that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but live through eternity. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. This life of salvation is possible only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not head knowledge of his name or what he did or who he was, a personal relationship in which we've realized I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. Jesus, here I am. I need you to save me. And that's where it starts, and then it goes from there. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. Jesus, I understand that you're the Savior. Here I am. Please be with me. I can't save myself. I need you. Do you have that relationship? If you do, praise the Lord. If you do, I would spend the rest of the day just thanking God for that. And if you don't, I have one question for you. It's kind of a tough question. It's kind of a pointed question. It's kind of right in your face. What are you waiting for? It's the greatest relationship known to humankind. Why would you want to go another day without it? It'd be real logical. That doesn't make sense. Here I am, Lord. Today's the day. Now what? Connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers, a life of sharing, serving, sacrifice, and salvation. Sharing the good news of Jesus with everybody, serving God through our sacrifice. Salvation for our sins, thanks to Jesus and the sacrifice he made for you and for me on the cross. That's the now what. Amen? Most holy God, Jesus Christ, I just want to say thank you. Please give us strength and courage to, uh, to carry out the commission, go and share the good news with everybody. Please help us. Please guide us. Please take us away from our fears. Please help us to know that you'll be there when you take us to places we'd rather not go. We praise you. We glorify your holy name. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.